Hello, blood brother. I'm in the car right now. Um, your nephew, Yisrael, is driving. Hi, Yisrael. I hope you're coming back from somewhere holy. Yep, pretty holy. We're coming back from the aisle right now. It's 1.40 a.m. We're just finishing up uh, Fabrengen over there. And we wanted to check in with you. Oh, good. Thank you. I'm just finishing up uh, working on a, a, a video for uh, Operation 613. What is Operation 613? That is a good question. It is a daily Safer Amidsis program for kids. Check it out. It's cool. Right now it's in beta mode um, and registration is limited. So I don't know if you go and you try to register right now. You may not be able to do it. So top it right. So I think this is episode four of Blood Brothers. Yes. Yeah, I think it is. And so much has changed since the last episode. The world has, wouldn't you say the world has changed? It's a different world. Well, when we started, we were doing Zoom. It, it had already, we were like in lockdown, right? That's when everybody jumped on Yes, Zoom. correct. But we thought it was going to be like, like, oh, okay, until Pesa. We thought it was going to be till Pesa. Yeah. And then we thought it was going to be till Shavuos. Yeah. And now it's uh, Tishrei. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, the world is different. So much has changed. Wouldn't you say? I would say. I've I've been asking, the question I was asking, oh, I stopped asking it, but uh, like a couple of months ago was, are we going to, like, are my kids going to be telling their grandkids about the time that, they had to go to school on online and when or wear masks or whatever, or are they going to tell them about the time back before you had to do all of that? Like, are they still going to be doing that 40 years from now? Green light. So that's a frightening question. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to, to depress our viewers or to frighten them. Yeah. What do you think is worse, frightening people or depressing people? Depressing. Because frightening can at least motivate people? Because fright is like a, a, a stimulus response. It's really, it's like, like almost like neurological, like, oh, you like, like snakes, uh, you know, scare like, people, you know? Like, like a cucumber scares a cat. Yes. Now, it seems that you've Googled why the cucumbers scare cats. Because I said snakes, and you went right for cucumbers scaring yeah. cats, which means that you have been influenced by the theory that yes. the, the cats are recognizing the cucumber as a snake. Yes. Yes. So Apparently they can... They can figure out everything else in our modern world and they can like, you know, they'd have no problem stepping on your remote control or whatever. But that cucumber, which isn't particularly modern, but um, I guess the modern cucumber. Uh, but they see a cucumber and they immediately think it's a snake. Could be genetically engineered. They're not used to it. The smell, the scent is different. And they think that thing's a snake. They think it's a snake and they jump. <laughs> Now the question is, would they jump from a zucchini squash? Has that been tested? And if not, do you think I could get 10 million views on YouTube? <laughs> well, because I, I want to tell you, 
my Kinder Egg unboxing videos have a hundred million views. Say that again. I have a side. I have a side hustle where I post Kinder Egg unboxing videos, <laughs> and have I get ad revenue. I have about a hundred million views. Right. So that's that's what your your real income. This is this the the rabbi stuff is just uh, a passion well, project. In Kamach in Torah. Yeah. And in Torah in Kamach. That's right. Would you consider our conversation Kamach or Torah? Are those the only two options? Yes. Well, it's not Kamach. Because Kamach is some is a responsibility. That's something that you're doing because you have to do it. It's a means to an end. And this is something that we're doing because it brings us joy. And we believe it brings other people joy. Yeah. Can I talk about that for a second? I, I, I We initially made these Zoom things just for fun to see. We threw it out there. We saw what anybody respond to it. And I want to tell you, of all the things I've put out in the past half a year, this thing, the podcast between you and me, has gotten the most exuberant response. That's wonderful. So I think I'm that very happy something. about that. I think it says something. What does it say? People want, they like the um, the format, the conversation. Yeah. I, I haven't seen a lot of, like, I mean, I'm not a big podcast guy, but I, I haven't heard a lot of podcasts. It's just people sharing ideas, Jewish ideas. Jewish ideas, probably not, no. No, it exists with lots of other stuff, but. Yeah. That's like the the primary f- format for podcasts. Yeah, but not Jewish ideas. Yeah, so hopefully we're providing something that that uh, is appreciated. All right, I have a question for you. Yeah, a, Suk- a Sukkis question. Yeah. All right. My question yes. for you, and I've asked this. I've asked this question to lots of people, and nobody wants to take me seriously. My question is: pulled over there? I don't know. You getting pulled over? Could be. All right. Well, let's keep this recording just in case they racial profile you. Well, yeah, he's shining the light. I don't know. Anyway, you had a second question before Yisrael got pulled over, which we're going to cut out. Okay. Yeah. You had a second question. You should leave it in there, by the way. All right. I have a question for you. I have a Sukkot question yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah, you ready? All right. Yeah. So this is a question I've asked a lot of people, and uh, nobody wants to take it seriously. My question is, if you were to uh, shrink a person, a human being, t- with a shrink ray, and shrink them down to the size of, like, a toothbrush, what size Sukkot would he need to eat in? Wow. That's my question for you. What is the um, regular shear for a sukkah? It has to be. Are you quizzing me? Not quizzing. Not trying. Not trying to put you on the spot. But you brought it up, so I All figured right. make good. So it's seventh fachim by seventh fachim. How tall is it? Ten. Ten, maybe. I'll tell you what. It's not more than twenty amos. I know that. You know why? It's a couple things. The very beginning of of sukkah, but. Uh, you, you don't see it up there, which is like why the Hanukkah Minator also can't be up there because then it's not Pirsumi Nisa. People don't look that high. Yeah. Yeah. That's There's another reason too, right? 
because of shade. Ah, uh -huh. well, because then the walls will start casting the shade. You're right, sitting you get in the, the shade, shade from the walls, not from the sky. Right, it's like when you're in a in in the city, and you know, all the skyscrapers make it dark. That's right. Yeah, they call that Manhattan skia. Oh, there's okay. I haven't heard that term before. I made it up just now. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So, so what do you think? If a person, so a regular sukkah is whatever the dimensions are, and it's it's based on the size of a person that they should be able yeah. to fit fit in it. Yeah. Right? That a single person yeah. should be able to fit most of himself in there. If the person is tiny. Could he sit in a tiny sukkah, or does he still need to sit? In, is that sheer now set because for everybody or whatever? That's a great question. There's actually a, a question in the Gemara in, um, about Yom Kippur. Right, exactly. So it asks the question of if a giant has to, has to have the same sheer to, uh, to eat on Yom Kippur, to be considered eating on Yom Kippur, or if uh, if it's different for for a giant, and the maskana there, the gemara. So so I forget which amira it was that asked the question and said, "Hey, well, how is this year the same for everybody? Um, shouldn't it be different for a melachabashan?" And then the answer is no, because we 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 know we that the that this is a shear. We have the the masoira that this this is a shear that it settles the das of a person, and it doesn't matter how big they are. It's just that for a regular person, it'll it'll settle their their mind a lot, and for and for oig for a giant, it would settle their mind less, but it would still do it. It still accomplishes that. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. So you want to ask about about uh, eating on Yom Kippur and giant, but there's two differences there. One, that's about food, and it's about something that you're ingesting, and uh, and so that as opposed to a sukkah, which is something that's around you. That's one difference I can think of. Yeah. And another difference is the oig is a giant like he that's his size and a person who shrunk down is still a regular sized person who shrunk down maybe that might make a difference okay these are boring questions aren't they no i'm, I'm enthralled okay so um where were you going with the difference between eating, which is something you put into you, and sukkah, which is something you go into. Well, is I was that, thinking that, that that might create a difference. So the this this question from the Gemara that Abba discusses, and he's discusses in the context of a chikira from the Ragachavar about shir atzmi and uh, and uh, shir mitzdarif. Is this shir? A kazayas, yeah. you know, the size of an olive. Is it that that when you have this amount now that it, now you have something which is usser, or is it that there's this usser food, whatever it is, chaser, and it's all usser, but um, you have to put together enough tiny pieces of it until you have a kazayas in order for it to be considered, uh, to, to, be con to, to be considered usser. I don't understand the difference. All right. Uh, you know, I'm, I think I'm mixing things up. Okay, we'll cut this out. Yeah, let's cut it out. It's boring anyways. Well, go back to the cats and cucumbers <laughs> before you throw got pulled over. 
<laughs> just keep on going back to the cats and the cucumbers. Yeah. Well, we can put in many as many of those videos as we want. <laughs> but let me try this again. The question, yes. the question of the Rugged Trevor is he says you can look at the measurements in Torah, yeah. whether it be a Kazayas, an olive's worth, or uh, Ravius, a certain amount of liquid, a liquid measure. You can look at each one of these measurements in two different ways. Either you can see it as one thing or a collection of parts. So is a, an olive's worth of something an olive's worth, or is it a bunch of tiny little molecules of whatever food this is, a tray sandwich, um, is this a bunch of tiny pieces that combine together? That's the is that question. sort of like, is there anything, is there any such thing as half a drop? <laughs> so, yeah. You know about this Chikiro? What, what's, uh, yeah, what, tell me about this Chikiro. This is from our mother's old yeah, That's right. That's when right. she was a little girl, she used to tell our Bobby Allah Shalom, I don't want a lot of drink. I want a little bit of drink. I just want half a drop. And she used to tell her, well, if it's only half a drop, it won't drop. Right. So is it similar to that? Yes. I think, <laughs> it might be. Yeah, I think it is similar to that. So there, there's a famous argument between Rabbi Yechanan and Rish about Chatsi Shir, whether Chatsi Shir is Asr Minatera, whether if you uh -huh. have a portion of... so. If something is usher, if you eat an olive's worth of it, what if you have less than that? Is that still usher? We know that you don't get punished until. So we know you don't get punished until you have a kazayas of it, but is it still usher to eat it before then? Rabbi Yechon and Rish have a famous uh, argument in, in the Gemara about whether or not a port, uh, less than a, a shear. You know, a, what they call it chazi shear, half a shear, but it could mean any any fraction of a shear, any fraction. It doesn't have to be fifty percent. No, so I think Rabbi Yechonon says that it uh, is Aser and Reish Lakish says that it's not. I might be wrong, but uh, the the way that Agachaver sets it up is he says they are both looking at the shiurim in two different ways one is looking at it and saying that a kazayas of something is becomes a new a new existence a new thing and that is now usr and the other one says no it's always usr you know pig meat even one tiny bit of it is usr it's just that the punishment doesn't start applying until you put enough of those pieces together to make it significant mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then the, the, the question becomes the minimal measurement according to Torah is that is that the point where something becomes what it is or is it the point where it becomes significant yeah. meaning even less than that amount still is what it is it's just right not significant meaning mm. you wouldn't be punished so i guess i guess the question that i'm wondering is so you can apply this to food can you because you can take a food is is something that you you take a chunk of it and put it inside of you and you can take either right. bigger or smaller chunks can you say that about a makif a sukkah well, which surrounds you can can there be a piece of a makif well 
I would say the whole concept of Reishi Verubai is a partial makif. You're not putting your entire self into the sukkah. You're putting part of yourself into the sukkah. But you're so, the thing, you're, you, the, the person who's shaped like a line, is the thing that's being, that's... that's less a, than whole. Less than whole. The sukkah itself is still, I mean, I guess it's not officially whole because it's only two and a half walls, but uh, still, it is still encompassing you or part of you. How does this connect back to the shrink ray? The shrink ray well, question is... Shrink ray. You didn't say the guy... You didn't say it was a shrink ray, did you? I did. Oh, okay, fine. Did yeah. you say it was a shrink ray? Yeah, it's a shrink ray. It's it's important that it be a shrink ray. It's not like... Okay. It, uh, he, I, for various boring reasons, I have constructed this weird question in a very specific way. Okay. Okay. I have another Does weird have question that if you have a uh, time machine, it's a time portal. It's not a time machine. It's not electronic or anything. It's a time portal. And if you jump through it on Shabbos, um, is it still Shabbos? If you jump through the time portal into into not Shabbos, is it still Shabbos for you? Anyway, so that question it has to be a time portal. It can't be a time machine because then you can't be boop, boop the buttons. Maybe it's not electrical. No, it, it's just that you find a hole in your house that if you jump through it, you go one day earlier. I would say even the machine. You could have a machine that's just mechanical. There's no ah, okay, no electricity. Oh, so like some sort of like Jules Verne time machine. Jules Verne time machine, yeah. Yeah, that, and in fact, I believe that is the, uh, that's the time machine. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have anything meaningful to say? Jules also Verne has... was ahead of his time. I would say. Would, wouldn't you say that Jules Verne was ahead of his time? Why are you laughing? <laughs> because that is like the. It's such a. <laughs> it's wouldn't a. It's, an, it's a pom- pompous thing to say. Like if you're in a gathering and you want to sound smart, it's an empty, just bloated thing to say. Jules Verne was ahead of his time, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> Let's talk about that. Yeah. So, so far, I don't think we've said anything, given any anybody anything to put in their pocket. I'm, I'm not familiar with that idiom. What does that mean? I made it up just now. But it means that, like, all right, this might have been, like, enjoyable while you listen to it, but you walk away and you, and you don't have anything. You mean there's some poor guy watching this right before Shabbos, <laughs> and he's waiting for the vort, mm-hmm. and then Shkia already, or not Shkia, two minutes before Shkia, yeah. and he has to turn it off, and he's sitting at the Shabbos table, and his wife's like, okay, we Taki, would you like to share something? I, I saw you watching that that madcap Blood Brothers. What would you like to share, pray tell? No white cats are afraid of cucumbers. There's something about a shrink ray, an egg malachaboshin, and a chatzi shear. He didn't just he didn't just watch he didn't just watch the video before Shabbos. He printed out the transcript from the YouTube automatic uh, subtitles, and he's reading it right. verbatim at the Shabbos table. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Can you imagine that? Some guy reading out a printed transcript of this conversation at his Shabbos table. Just wondering, when is the Teichen going to come in? Yeah, he keeps on going like this to his family. Right, you want to hear something about Sukkis? I do. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. This is, uh, this is from the Rebbe's father. Um, very simple concept. What was that? It was a fairy that lives in my house. So there's a, there's a prohibition in the Torah. Like, say, Sifu Sigru. Do not add and do not subtract from the Torah, from the mitzvahs. So it's kind of obvious not to subtract. Everyone knows that you're not allowed to not do a mitzvah. Do you think so, there was ever a, a clever kid who tried to get out of math class that way? Oh, Tater says no adding and subtracting. Right? And then he just walks out. Go on. <laughs> Jules <Okay>. Verne. <laughs> Jules Verne was ahead of his time, wouldn't you say? Yeah, do not add and do not subtract. Well, obviously, we know not to subtract. You know, you're not allowed to not do a mitzvah. So, actually, the Kliyakar explains. You know the Kliyakar? The, the precious vessel? The Kliyakar says, what does it mean? It means do not add in order that you do not come to subtract. That when you add where you shouldn't add, you end up taking away. By the way, I'll tell you a little cute uh, story based on that. Apparently, um, Abba Ibn played golf with Nixon. Abba Ibn was the ambassador. And he played golf with Nixon. And he beat Nixon. And Ben-Gurion said to Abba Ibn, I, I, I saw that Nixon beat you in golf. He says, no, I beat him. He says, well, I saw that the score was whatever, you know, I don't know. What, 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 what would be a believable golf score for? I don't know. Well, I know that in miniature golf, if you get, Five strokes, they just that's that's the they max you out at that, right? Is that correct? I don't know. I've I'm bad at every sport, including miniature golf. I don't know anything about any of this. Okay, so, anyways, let's say you said, Well, Ben Gurion said to Abba Ibn, I saw that you had um 118 and Nixon only had 116. So, I'm sorry, no, the opposite. I saw that. You had 116. Nixon had 118, so he beat you. Why do you say you won? He says, no, in golf, it's laissez-sifu, laissez-gru. That by adding, a higher golf score is worse. Mm -hmm. Would you say Jules Verne was ahead of his time? Do you think Jules Verne was a golfer? All right, so yeah, so there was a, so what are you telling me? Oh, don't add to Torah because then I'll subtract from Torah. So There's a marshal from the, from the Dubna Maggit. 
I know I'm not supposed to say Shema Yisrael too many times, but then sometimes I do because I forget if I said it. I think you're not supposed to say it like double, like back to back. Yeah. Talking about the Mishnah and Megillah, the guy who says Shema Shema, or Maidim Maidim. Maidim Maidim, you're not supposed to say. Right. Um, so there's a marshal from the Dubna Magid. That one time this guy goes over to his neighbor and he's like, hey, could I borrow your, what did you borrow from him? Your, your, your silverware. Silverware. So he's like, yeah, sure. So he lends it to him. And then when he returns it, he's like, oh, hold on a second. You're giving me back extra. Like I, I, I gave you 10 spoons. Now I see 20 spoons. So he's like, oh, yeah, while the spoons are with me, I guess they were pregnant. They had babies. So the guy's like, okay, well, I guess my neighbor is kind of a fool and he thinks that spoons can get pregnant and have babies. And, well, what do I care? I'm getting extra spoons, you know? That's good silver, right? So he's like, okay, fine, no problem. All right, so he took it. Anyways, this was a long con because I don't know if he did it more than once. I thought it was going to be a, just a short change con. I thought they were going to go back and forth with the spoons. No, no, listen, he set them up. Because then he comes to him later and he's like, um, can I borrow your chandelier? He's like, sure, by all means, borrow my chandelier. Okay, anyways, the guy never returned it. Finally, he comes over a few days later. He's like, when do you intend on returning the chandelier? He's like, oh, I'm sorry. My condolences. While the chandelier was with me, it died. So he says, a chandelier can't die. He says, well, if you believe that spoons can have babies, why can't the chandelier die? <laughs> okay. Wow, that so, is a long con. That's the marshal from the Dubna Magid. That when you add, you end up subtracting. Which means, basically, if you can tell Hashem that I can use my own judgment to add mitzvahs, then eventually you could rationalize coming to the point where you can detract and take away mitzvahs. Mm. Okay, so the whole point is that don't tamper with the mitzvahs. They're not subject to human intellect. We understand as much as we can understand, like the Rambam says. You should try to understand as much as you can understand. But ultimately, mitzvahs are beyond us. Or like Siddhas often mentions, all mitzvahs are chokim. Even mishpatim are chokim. Ultimately, all mitzvahs are beyond us. So don't rationalize. You're going to add, even though you think adding is a good thing, because then you, you think mitzvahs are subject to your understanding, and then you're going to rationalize subtracting. Okay. So far, so good? Yes. Okay. But, I mean, Jews have added a lot to... to... That's a classic question, but I've okay. it. Yeah. So, you know, there's, that's the question about all of the Xedas, uh, so I mean that one you could say that that that's that is wrapped up in a, a mitzvah from the Torah, but what about minhagim things that Jews just started doing? That, so to, the Rambam actually clarifies and says that when the uh, when the Rabbanim came and made different takanas gzedas, um, uh, he gives he gives a specific example. I believe this is the exact example, but about Basa B'chalav, about milk and meat. That when they come and they say, as interpreters of the law, and the, and, and, and the rabbis say that, 
doesn't just mean the actual child of that mother. It means any meat and milk uh, the, from, from that species. Uh, so that's not adding. That's them interpreting what the words mean. Mm-hmm. However, however, when they come along and they say, and don't even mix chicken and milk, that's them legislating on, by their own power vested in them by the title, but then that's them legis- that's not interpreting, that's legislating. And they have to be transparent about the fact that that's not, we're not claiming that's what Torah says. We're, we're admitting that that's minha Torah, that biblically that's not the prohibition, but we are adding to that. And as long as they are um, transparent about that, then it's fine. And by the way, that, that yeah, that's this sounds class. like a like a good argument for citing sources. Yes, of course you have to cite sources. I asked the guy. I don't want to say who, and I don't want to say where, and I don't want to tell you his background or anything. But I had a sense that he was struggling with this idea, and I asked him, "Is there a difference in the gather of chiyuv between eating matzah on the night of the seder and eating kreplach on haishaner rabba?" Okay. He could not answer the. Is there a difference between eating matzah on Pesach, which is a misfit of, of the Torah, or eating diff- kreplach on uh, Hashanah Rabbah? Okay. I, I don't know who this person is, but that, I wouldn't put that on him. A lot of the information is presented that way. It's, it's a pet peeve of mine when I see uh, Torah presented in a way that says, this is what's true. And like, here's how, like, you know, whatever, whatever it is, here's how the afterlife works. Here's how this works. Right. And not saying, well, according to this source and according to that source, especially because there's so many di- like different ways of looking at things, even within within uh, Torah. Yeah, and like our ancestor, the Megala Muke said, "You like that bringing Moshe, that one up. What you like? You like name dropping that?" Yeah, Moshe is my son is sitting here, so I'm saying for him. So. Feel good. Moshe is Roshatevis Machlekes Shamai Hillel. Okay. Moshe Kibbutz is Sinai. So Moshe received the Torah from from Sinai. His name represents Machlekes Shamai Hillel. That inherent in Torah is the fact that there are yeah. two diametrically opposed opinions and or perspectives. I don't like to use the word opinions because it makes it sound like a whim. But that the, the truth is more nuanced than just there's one way of looking at it. Right. And if you just now, Allah, if you, if you just Allah present the Jewish view and it's and it's one tiny part of it, then you're not doing justice to to Torah. Correct. But I think we discussed this at length in our pre Shavuos Blood Brothers. Yeah, we did. Yeah, so let's not go down that route again. Okay. okay? Although we're both very interested in it. But at, at, at any rate, the idea of do not add so that you do not subtract. Um, so the, the Rebbe's father says like this. There is a, a verse in uh, Yeshio, the prophet. It says, Vesuketia, Hashem, Hashem will act as a protecting Soka, canopy, shelter. To shield and to protect the Zerim and the Matar. Zerim means storm. Zayin Reish Mem. Zerim means storm. Matar, Mem, Tes Reish. 
is rain. So Hashem is like a sukkah that will protect you from the storm and the rain. So here's what the Rebbe's father says. That when you realize that Hashem is a sukkah, a makif, meaning to say that as much as we can understand, we don't contain Hashem in our puny little heads. No thought can grasp Hashem. So ultimately, we don't ever have him contained. He contains us. Our relationship with Torah is ultimately a makif, an encompassing relationship, because Torah is always going to be, literally and figuratively both, above our heads. Like when you say something went over your head, whoosh, right, and understand it. Okay, around so ultimately Torah will always have an, around your head, there's, there's always an infinite amount of Torah beyond us, because Torah is infinite. So whatever we're able to internalize, there's still an infinite amount that's still beyond us that goes over our head. So Torah is a sukkah. Hashem is a sukkah. So Hashem, Torah, one thing, they're over our heads. And when you realize that, when you realize that even though we learn Torah and we internalize it, but it's still infinitely beyond us, that will shield us. That knowledge will shield us, protect us from what? From Zerim and Matar, storm and rain. And what is the storm and the rain? There are Ramach Mitzvahs, as say, 248 positive commandments, which the Rebbe's father says the 248 positive commandments basically represents all mitzvahs. I know there's also the Shasad Mitzvahs, say the 365 prohibitions, but basically there's 248 things as Jews that we do. Okay? Okay. Those are the things that you do. When you know that Torah and mitzvahs are fundamentally beyond us, then you'll be protected from Zerem or Matar. Zerem is Zayin Reish Mem 247. Matar mm-hmm. is Mem Reish 249. If you have that awareness, then you'll stick with the 248, the Ramach, and you won't go down and you won't go up. So what is that, based on that vart then, uh, I forgot, you don't like the word vart. Based on that, Nakuda, what uh, what would you say about the little guy in the sukkah? How little shrink, shrunken man, How what size sukkah should he be in? Wow, based on that? Yeah. I, do you think there's a connection? I mean, I guess everything you tell you is connected to everything it else. Did, I mean, you, you didn't, it didn't go. You didn't go one step further, but it made sense to me. If you say, if you realize, like, I mean, the, the you could just interpret what you, what what you just uh, shared with me as well. If you know that God is completely beyond you, then you won't mess with it. Like if you, like you won't mess with this with with God's stuff, and uh, you won't tamper with something that you have you have no uh, you have no idea what you're t- what you're tampering with, <laughs> right? You have no credentials. Uh, you're not uh, certified. Um, to do this, right? Because you know that God is completely beyond you. Um, but it seemed like it, 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 they go together even more than that to me. It seems like it, like when you know that God is that God is not something that you can collect pieces of that that, that you are getting. 
God is right. something that is a con- conceptually something that are, is around you. Right. right. And, th- and once you know that, then you can't, you can't start chipping away pieces at it. You'll be There's protected no from that. Thing. Right. There, that, right. That, that in we say that an etzim, an essence, which is such a clumsy j- translation of etzim, yeah. but best we can do, I think till now, um, cannot be divided, can't be mischalic. Something that is what it is cannot be, but, and, and then conversely, you know, we say also that when the, the Baal Shem Tov said, that when you hold on to part of an etzim, what is part of an etzim? Well, there is no part of an etzim because what's the rest of the statement? You're holding on to all of it. Right. So right. then it would make sense that if you start taking away, a, 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 if you try to take away a part of an etzim, or you start try, try gluing things onto a, to an etzim, you will no longer have that etzim. That's not the thing that, right. that this is not something that can be divided. Right. So so it seems like those, the, the, those ideas go together, like in an in a even more direct way. And therefore. And therefore. That's what Even I'm trying to figure out. Even for someone who was shrunken with a shrink ray, he would still have, sukkah, to, still have to go inside of a big sukkah. And the share of a sukkah would not be smaller because he's smaller. The share of the sukkah is the share of the sukkah. Yeah, that, that would be my argument based on this conversation. <sighs> David, you are a man who is truly ahead of his time, I would say. Thank you. Much like. H.G. <laughs> Wells. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> I thought you were going to say uh, Jules Verne. He was also ahead of his time. What'd you say? Do you think? But I realized that he wasn't the time machine. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I, I was wondering that when you said that. Yeah, no, what's interesting, by the way, is Jules Verne did have a thing about people getting shrunken, right? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't, I, I haven't read any of this. Well, you went to Disney World. Yes, I did. Many well, times. Yes, I actually went to, to Disneyland Paris which does not have a Tomorrowland. It has a discovery land, which is instead of based on 1950s retro futurism, it's based on uh, Jules Verne type of, of uh, futurism. There's a lot of copper. Yeah. Is that like steampunk? Yeah. It's like steampunk. Um, so but I've never read any of it. The, in the, in the Disney world, not the Euro Disney, but the regular Disney they have the 20,000 leagues under the sea, don't they? Do they? Don't they? I believe so. I believe 20,000 leagues under the sea is a ride at Disney World. Yeah, I think you're right. Yes. I believe I've been on it. Mm-hmm. You want to know something? Yeah. I haven't read it either, but I've <laughs> but been on that ride. But you've experienced it. It's even I've more so. You have been surrounded by it. I don't need Like to a makif. Like a makif. I don't need to read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I lived 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea for about eight minutes. For about eight minutes. And I want to tell you something. It changed me. 
Really? I, I my life basically in two um, eras. Before <laughs> I went on 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and after. Are you serious? Because it's one of the most boring rides in Disney World. Yeah, apparently, because you can't even remember that such a it's ride a, It's exists. a walkthrough, right? You just walk through the Nautilus, right? No, you go on the submarine. and, and No, it's not a walkthrough. You ride on the submarine. So would you say that the Sukkah is Judaism's theme park? The Sukkah is... An immersive experience. Yeah, it is an immersive experience. Every other mitzvah we have... That's someone who was a fan of Judaism, but had had been admiring Judaism as an observer, you might say to them... Have you ever been inside a Sukkah? And experience it as an immersive experience. Yeah. I do think that because I, I I think everything else is like, you know, uh, all the other mitzvahs are things you can hold. Yeah. Including the Lula of an asterisk. Yeah. Ta- Talus isn't Disneyland for me, though. Sook is fun. Now, you mentioned Talus because it's also a makif. Yeah. Would you consider a Talus an immersive experience? Talus is not Berry Farm. If a, if a sukkah is Disney Disney World, then uh, then I would say a Talus is not Berry Farm. Okay. All right. I hear that. Okay. Wow. Anything usable in this? The cats and the cucumbers are definitely usable. That that was a winner. And uh, I think, yeah, we've got tremendous material here. Okay, good. Fantastic. All right, anything else? No, that's all. That's all I have. I feel like this has been an immersive experience. Yeah, do you? Well, you've been yeah. in, you have been encompassed by your vehicle the entire time. The safest place to be during, I can't remember if it's a true thing or a sci-fi thing. Okay. Whatever you say, I feel like it's going to endanger somebody's life at some point. But okay. I'm, no, 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 you're right. Because somebody's going to. If you start the safest place to be. Yeah. No, I can't I don't remember. Expensing safety tips. Right. <laughs> can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's on top of a of a metal shed in a thunderstorm. During a storm. During a lightning storm. Right. I can't remember <laughs> if that and I'll Google it later and get back to you. <laughs> Would you say Benjamin Franklin was ahead of his time? <laughs> um Benjamin Franklin invented the library. And he wanted, yeah, yeah. And he also invented the library fine. Okay. Yes. Which was $100, which is why Benjamin Franklin is on the $100 bill. He invented $100? Yes. Before that, everyone was like, this costs $99. I don't know what to do if you want more of it. Right. I could give you 99 twice. 
Like I have a thing. I have a ba- a bag of grain. It costs ninety nine dollars. Yeah. If you want any more than this, I don't know what to do. Right, you're gonna have to go, go walk out go and come back in. I'll give you an, a smaller bag in addition, and you'll pay for that. That's right. And that was written in Poor Richard's Almanac. You can look that up. What what's Poor written? Poor Richard's Almanac. That I was what, I, yes, it's his book. But what's written in there? Hey, let's have a hundred dollar bill. Let's have a well. He didn't write it like that, but however he wrote it in his language, in the language of his time. Okay. Did he recommend that, was that, did he believe that the recommended fine for an overdue book should be a hundred dollars? Of course. Yeah. That's why he recommended it. Wait, are you, they all do go together. He invented the library, invented the the fine, and he said that the fine for the book should be $100? Well, the original punishment was you have to stand on top of a metal shed in a lightning storm with a key attached to a kite. <laughs> I don't even, I don't know anymore what part of this is the thing that you actually told me that's a fact and what part of it is layers upon layers of jokes. Are there any other Matt Kiffin that you would like to talk about? No, that's it. Okay. All right. Thank you, Thank Blood you. Brother. Thank you, Blood Brother. All right.